California's government can't agree on how much it has overspent on its budget. 68 billion, 38 billion, or even 100 billion. Hey, what's the difference? It's only money. On top of that, the California Democrats want to introduce a wealth tax. What could possibly go wrong? We'll have that and more. Welcome to Constable Confidential. I'm Simon Constable. And joining us from Orange County, California, is Jeff Bliss, who can explain and is going to explain what on earth is going on. He writes for California Flow and the magazine, and he's a regular on the John Bachelor Show on CBS, the Eye on the World Show, and is heard on many, many other radio stations across California. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. Hello, Simon. It's great to be here with you again. Let's start with this budget. <laughs> How much did they overdraw beyond their budget? Because the numbers here are very strange and not slight differences. One would expect slight differences, you know, 68, 69, 70 billion. Maybe that, that's possible to, to mess it up. But these seem extreme. They are, they are extreme, even by California standards. So originally the idea was we were looking at probably about a $30, $35 billion deficit. And there were a lot of contributors to that. Uh, late tax payments because uh, the IRS and the state governments extended uh, uh, tax payments last year because of uh, severe winter weather. Um, there were a number of problems with the economy and with businesses in California leaving or failing. And so those all contributed to it. But then what they found is probably closer to you know, 60 to $70 billion in, in a deficit. However, there are other people who believe that this number could eventually rise to as much as $100 billion. So there's a lot of going back and forth. And of course, uh, Governor Newsom, who everybody is saying is going to run for president eventually, if not sooner, uh, is, is saying, oh, no, it's not that much. We're, we've got it taken care of. And he's been going launching out against the press, saying that they're bad-mouthing him and the state and they should get their, their act in order. Uh, but it's looking like things are not going to be going well for the state's economy. They're already uh, for the state's budgets. They're already talking about uh, big, massive cuts coming to programs, to personnel. Uh, I think at, when this is all said and done, there's going to be a bloodletting. I'm sure that there will be. We're talking a lot of money that I should point out that California's economy is about the same size as the United Kingdom's economy and that of France's economy. All, all three entities are about $3 trillion in size, depending on where the exchange rate is. So we're talking about a sizable, or, you know, basically it's a, it's like a mini country uh, in, in many ways, is California all on, all on its own. The other thing that is really puzzling to me is when you're in a hole, I was told, stop digging. And yet the ruling Democrats in California want to introduce a wealth tax Hmm. What could possibly go wrong, Jeff? Well, exactly. It's it it almost, you know, it's it seems like stupidity compounding on itself because you, you have a situation here in California where we're losing population on a daily basis. We're losing businesses. It seems like a small business and a big business are, are leaving the state almost on a daily basis. There have been hundreds of businesses that have relocated to other tax-friendly, regulation-friendly states, uh, places that are, are much less expensive to operate in and for their people to live in. So there's been a lot of migration to places like Texas and Nevada and Arizona and Idaho. Um, and, and every time they want to raise taxes or introduce a new regulation or, you know, the lawyers get even more greedy than they already are, 
we see these businesses uh, leave California for, for greener pastures. So the idea is uh, this bill they're pushing forward would have an annual excise tax of 1.5% on worldwide net worth uh, for every full-time or part-time California resident who exceeds 1 billion in worth. And, and there are quite a few in California. I mean, there are, you know, probably in terms of the United States, it's us in New York and Florida have the, and, and Texas have the most billionaires, but they're, they're making it so they're going to be driving them out. And then come January next year, the state's going to tax wealth that exceeds 50 million at a rate of 1% a year with an additional 0.5% tax on assets valued at more than 1 billion. So, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to dig themselves out of this hole by putting even more, you know, tax burdens on, on the wealthy, uh, whether they're people that create wealth through businesses here in the state or uh, or just, you know, reside here, they're, they're going to push a lot of these people out because these people are going to vote with their feet. They're going to say, I'm, I'm not doing California anymore. I'm out of here. Well, one of the things that I was always pleasantly surprised at in America is that people who become billionaires like, like Warren Buffett and, and I guess the late Charlie Munger and and also you know, your Bill Gates, when they get this massive wealth, that they basically feel compelled to give that away to what they consider to be good causes. Now, whether you agree with the causes or not is is neither here nor there. But it is extreme generosity in many cases, and and some people even say, "Oh, yes, I want to bounce my." the checks for my funeral costs so that I've got absolutely nothing left when I die. So knowing that about billionaires, as as I do, and then knowing that billionaires are extremely mobile because they have a lot of money and they can go live anywhere they want because any country in the world would have them, why would the Democrats want to, want to push this? And do they have any examples of this ever having worked anywhere at any time on this planet? Well, as you already know, or may have guessed, there, there's there's really no logic and no history behind this saying, oh yeah, this pulled people out of deficits, it changed the economic, the direction of their economic well-being, that type of thing. Um, and, and time and again, history has shown that w- when people get hit with taxes like this, these burdens, they don't, they don't just stay and take it. And you know, you, you, you mentioned a good thing here about about philanthropy and whether people are doing out of the goodness of their heart or for business reasons it's a big deal here in america i mean this this past week i compiled some various reports on philanthropy and it was you know and it, it was just a few examples but it exceeded uh, several billion dollars in giving by foundations and corporations and, and and individuals and you know i think that's another thing they don't realize is that when they cut into different people's incomes or their assets, uh, that damages other things, whether it's, you know, businesses that they're investing in or philanthropies, charities they're giving to. It's, you know, it's, I know it's very attractive for a group of of politicians and their followers to say, I'm going to take down the big guy or he needs to get, she needs to give me more money. Uh, They need to pay their fair shares off in the mantra that you hear. But the truth is they never talk about the ripple effects and every one of those things that they attempt has a ripple effect and often they're not good. That is certainly the case. In America, even even at the non-billionaire level, there is a lot of charitable giving by people who who have lower incomes and lower assets than the one billion and they, they seem to like doing that. And what I also know from from looking at history is that when you introduce something for the the rich the very very rich it always ends up hitting 
the middle class sooner or later. So income tax it, it introduced in you know nineteen. 13 whatever was for the rich and in, in the UK it was introduced after the Second World War I believe and then it you know it was for just a little bit and then it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing I don't think this augurs well for California and neither does inflation let's talk about that Southern California inflation now this is Southern California so that's where you live which is Orange County and Los Angeles and, and places nearby what's been going on like most other places, uh, we're finding that inflation has continued to climb. Now, it, it slowed down a bit in December. It, it went 3.4% over the price level a year earlier, uh, which was, you know, we, we've had some previous years where it was over 5%, but it's still going up. And in California, it's already expensive. It was expensive to live here before the, this wave of inflation hit us. And to add this on top of it, you know, it, it negates, uh, you know, salary raises. It, it really hampers uh, buying power. It hurts the housing market a great deal. And we just we see example after example of how inflation's been hitting so hard. And, you know, part of it is you could attribute maybe to what happened around COVID. Certainly is, it can attribute it to, you know, the, the free spending at the federal government level and, and at the state government level. I mean, the free money that's been going out here in the state just, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, has had an impact. Unfortunately, a lot of people, whether they were sleeping during their, during their basic econ classes in high school and college or are ignorant, just don't care, uh, you know, they don't see the connection between uh, the value of money and what they're paying now. And, and, and for, the, for those people who were sleeping, I'll, I'll tell them that Milton Friedman, who is, is a was a fantastic economist, uh, along with Anna Schwartz, realized that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. So when there are more dollar bills flying around or too much spending going on by government, which is effectively the same thing, then you get inflation. Sorry to interrupt, Jeff. Not, not at all. And I, I count myself blessed to have, have worked with Milton Friedman at one time at Stanford. And, uh, you know, he also talked about the fact that, uh, and it, it, it just speaks further to what you're saying, is that inflation is just a tax. And, you know, it's, not, it's nothing we've agreed to, nothing we voted on, but uh, but here you go. And, and that's why we're hitting it. And I know I know that you have, you know, vaunted columnists at The New York Times and and people who are very big supporters of the administration and the, and the Democratic Party saying, oh, you know, we're, we're out of inflation now. We're doing great. But there's nobody I know, whether they're wealthy or poor. And I've talked to a large cross section of people. Everybody feels it. They notice it. They see it in what at the market. They see it in what they pay, you know, uh, for fuel and all these other things that aren't necessarily the core, you know, cost of living things. Um, yeah, so it, we all know what's going on and we can see it. It just, unfortunately, people don't put two and two together to get an idea of where that's coming from. And one of the things that they, they're saying when they're saying that inflation is, is cooling down, which it certainly isn't as hot as, as it was, is these prices aren't going back to where they were before this inflationary surge. And that's a very important thing. So things you couldn't afford, even if, if inflation goes to zero, you still might not be able to afford now unless you have had commensurate pay raises going along. And that's going to hurt the economy one way or, or another, you 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 would think that California was supposed to be like the 
the the land of milk and honey. Maybe it was once, but you've also found a very interesting story. You're saying it's having very big Californians who are already playing higher prices for basic foods and services. How did you think that kicks out? Does that mean Newsom may get the boot at some point if he doesn't if he doesn't run for president? Well, he you know he'll be termed out, so it's it's not going to be a question of him being booted out by by the voters. Um, and I think I think he's going to be able to skate onto his next attempt at you know which will be president, um, and, and he'll escape that just like he escaped what he did in San Francisco as mayor. People don't tend to remember that, you know. So uh, I th I think this is a bigger problem for for the Democratic Party as a whole because I think there could be a, a reckoning, although I'm not betting money on it because the, the, the state is so beholden to the Democratic Party, its policies, its payouts now, that it's hard to imagine it ever going back to having some kind of equilibrium. You know, at one time it was a pretty red state. I can remember when it was a, for the most part, you could guarantee that Republicans were going to win a vast majority of the public offices and, you know, the presidential, uh, you know, electoral college and all that. But nowadays it's it's pretty darn blue. And and let us not forget that Ronald Reagan was governor of California for, for a, a, a while before he was president and, and was popular there as he, as he was popular as president as well. Now, the last thing on these that I saw as, as news was, this is the headline, and it says, these LA residents, Los Angeles residents, got $1,000 a month. What happened after the cash stopped? And that was in, uh, it's basically a, 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 an event that happened in 2022. Now, this is often called uh, universal basic income, and obviously it's not universal. I certainly wasn't getting a thousand a month, and I, I don't know if you were, but some people were. Maybe it was an experiment. Why was it done? And then after that, explain what happened when it was undone, because this is fascinating. So this idea, of course, was was I think was ginned up in in a number of different democratic think tanks or in uh, you know universities where they said you know if we just give the poorest among us, some of this money, it'll give them a leg up. And uh, there was always the idea of, well, this won't be permanent. We'll just teach a man to fish and they'll be able to go on fishing the rest of their life. But and, and to some extent, some of the people that have been helped through these types of programs in, in different spots throughout the U.S., have benefited, but it hasn't been a, a rip-roaring success, I would say. Uh, it was it started big in California a few years ago in Stockton, which is up in the in Northern California, not far from San Francisco and Sacramento. And they had mixed results there. Now there have been some other cities where they say, you know, we've we've helped move people along. This is about a thousand dollars a month they're giving to single mothers or uh, mothers who are pregnant, single mothers who are pregnant uh, who live below or at the poverty level. And, you know, it helps them survive. Let's be honest. It helps them, you know, pay the rent and get food for their kids. But when it ends, oftentimes they haven't moved really beyond that. It's There's no restriction put on the, the money that's given to them so that nobody says, well, you have to spend this much on education for yourself or you have to get job training or or anything like that. It's just here's a thousand bucks or two thousand dollars, wherever you are. Uh, and, and so it doesn't really change things other than. It, it throws them a lifeline for now, but it doesn't really give them a boat to get into for to save themselves, if you know what I mean. 
I, I do know what you mean. One of the thoughts, thoughts I've had about this, when it came up a couple of years ago, there were a number of books that came out about this, and I, I, I flicked, flicked through them. The advantage to a, a truly universal basic income would seem to me to be that you could eliminate the administrative burden that is on the government when doling out things like uh, food stamp, what used to be called food stamps, and is now uh, supplemental supplemental nutrition um, f funding and other things like that. So you, you you can eliminate all of the people who are doing that administration at a government level, and that saves you some money and will partly pay for the money going out. And then if everybody gets this extra thousand or whatever whatever the number is, then those in those who are actually earning as well just end up paying higher taxes. So you get some of it back there as well. And that seemed to me to be quite a good idea because it would shrink the size of government. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Or is that something a bit too sophisticated for California? Well, I think that's that's an interesting way to look at it is, it, it, and I, I'm pleasantly surprised if that's really what happened be, or does happen because typically government doesn't really, you know, seem to cut itself, especially here in California. It only seems to grow. Um, but if we can step back and go back to the previous story we were talking about, you know, these are the, these programs as well as, you know, uh, I mean, not just this program, but, you know, other assistance programs uh, and, and other initiatives throughout the state are all being considered on the chopping block with, because of the, the, the deficit that we're dealing with. So, you know, we're, when we're talking about how to save money, you know, we can save money for the state and for these programs, we give them $1,000 or whatever the amount's going to be. The, the bigger problem is, is and, and going back to the previous story about the, the taxes, you know, we, we always talk about raising the taxes and finding new places to drive money from, you know, pull money out of the pockets of taxpayers. We never talk about which programs we're going to cut. We never talk about all this, you know, not necessarily these ones for people who need 1000 a month, but the the extra programs, the ones that don't make sense, the ones that everybody can look at and say, that's ridiculous, but it's, you know, lining somebody's pocket that, you know, make sure this politician gets into office. That's one of the big problems here in California is you have all this profligate spending and, and so much of it goes to, to places that aren't needed. Like we've got this ridiculous idea of a bullet train uh, that voters barely passed several years ago. And it, the cost overruns are astronomical. This thing and, is and, now. Jeff, Jeff, let me let me interrupt there. I thought that everybody, or almost everybody in California, basically has a, at least one car and drives everywhere. And the idea of doing anything else, like walking, bicycling, or taking a train, was basically un-Californian. Un or am I missing something? Is that un-Californian or not? Hey. It's it definitely goes against the grain. Although people were, you know, in, uh, intrigued by the idea of getting on a train and going from San Francisco to LA or vice versa in two two and a half hours, which was the promise. Uh, but the but what has happened is is typical of things like I think about the D big dig project in Boston that took decades more than it should have and cost you know hundreds of millions of dollars more. So what we're seeing in California is a project now that is is the price is just creeping up it's actually rocketing up and it's probably now three times more than was originally promised and, and will eventually probably be if it was totally built out in the 300 to 400 billion dollar range or more and people you know these are the types of programs that are, are being used to pay off unions and pay off big developers and, and other people like that 
um, that is ju just soaking the state. Now, you want to know why we've got such a big deficit? You want to know why people who need basic income maybe don't get it? Well, it's because it's going into somebody else's pocket. 300 to 400 billion. That is a lot of money. But if it makes you feel better, the Second Avenue subway in New York still hasn't been built after 100 years of since it was started. And it's still there and it's still being promised and it's still not been delivered. Thank you very much, Jeff Bliss, who's been joining us from Orange County in California. He is a contributor to California Flow magazine. He's a regular on the John Batchelor show on CBS. That's Eye on the World with John Batchelor. I'm also a regular on it too. And uh, he, he can be heard on radio stations across California. Thank you very much again. I'm Simon Constable. This is Constable Confidential, and that's it. <laughs>